It's just like going up to a comedian and saying, make me laugh, funny man. Well, that's what we do to creatives. You've got five minutes. Go be creative. And what our next guest has figured out coming up from the ranks of the creatives is that you can't just look at them and say, go create, just like you can't say, comedian, make me laugh. You have to create an environment that allows them to be successful. So how do you create, foster, and grow creatives in your organization? And how do you come from the creative ranks and then go lead an organization? All today on the podcast. Welcome to the Founders Place Podcast, the place where exceptional founders grow. Now here's your host, Todd Wills. Todd Wills. Hello, welcome to the podcast. Pleasure to have good friend and creative and business leader and just amazing person all around, Courtney Kramer on the call today. Courtney has come up through the ranks and leading creative for Agency Pure Matter for a number of years. And now she is the CMO and head of marketing at the Coactive Training Institute, used to be Coaches Training Institute. You may know them as CTI, as they're more commonly referred to. She has a phenomenal role of working in with a series of coaches and mentors and advisors and guides to help create the best out of people and do that with creative people and to lead them as well. Sound confusing? It's not. Courtney does a fantastic job of fostering these relationships and making this all work and doing it in such a way that you can get the best out of people and help exceed expectations in a unique, authentic way. So I won't give away too much. I'll let Courtney take it away. Courtney, just like we do with everybody on the podcast, tell us, who are you and why the hell are you here? Who are you? Like there's a light shining up to my face. Where were you? <laughs> well, that's kind of a loaded question, isn't it? It is. It right? is. It's a great way to start. Who am I? I mean, there's so many things that's, um, who am I being and what am I doing? Um, which is kind of in line with the philosophy of where I'm at right now, which is the Coactive in- uh, Training Institute, uh, formerly the Coaches Training Institute. But uh, in my current iteration... <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> I am the global head of marketing, um, which equivalent to CMO role at, uh, like I said, the Coactive Training Institute. We are the world's largest in-person experiential learning leadership development company. And uh, we have been around since 1996, uh, starting our roots in coach training um, over time, establishing the gold standard of training called by Stephen Covey as the gold standard of coach training and uh, now have trained over 62,000 leaders worldwide, including myself. All right. Fantastic. We are going to talk about some of that. So that's the um, plug. Sorry. I didn't even tell you who I am. <laughs> no, that's we'll, we'll work off the plug. So tell me about who you are. Who, who is you? Who be yeah. you? So I, um, former agency owner, <laughs> Hi, Todd. Hi. <laughs> I feel like it should be a support group for former agency owners. It is. Uh, executive creative director, uh, writer, designer, and um, creator of all things creative. Um, that's kind of my jam. And um, now have moved over into a, a role that has me looking a little bit more broadly across an organization, which is really exciting. Okay. Well, talk, talk about the book. Plug the book. 
plug the book. My book is called 21 Reasons Creativity is Like Sex. Uh, I'm very proud of the cover. You're going to have to look it up because this is audio only, but you know, it has a hidden meaning to it. If you can decipher the two one, I'll just leave it with that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's a great, it's a great cover and it's, it's a lot of fun and the book is a lot of fun, but even though the pithy title, the book is a phenomenal discourse on creativity. Thank you. Thank you. Um, it was one of the joys of my life writing. Um, it, I discovered a new word when I was writing it called um, autotelic experience, which means that doing, you're doing something just for the pure joy of doing it and for no other reason than that. Uh, my husband, Brian Kramer, some of you guys might know in the marketing social media leadership world, uh, he, he would ask me when I was writing it, like, what's your plan for launching this? Are you going to go out and are you going to speak and do all this? I was like, nope, <laughs> just writing it for me. <laughs> that's that's all. awesome. And I think that's why it was such a fun uh, experience to write because it truly is written from the perspective of we're on a journey. Let's, I'm curious about this. Let's go check this out. And then that led me over here. And then that led me over here and just really uh, peeling the layers away from creativity which is one of my favorite subjects to talk about. Well, it's, it's a little bit like, so, and one of the things that I like about you and how you've led your life and certainly led your professional life is it's almost like the Russian nesting dolls, right? Where you're constantly sort of pulling it back and going, well, what comes after this? What's, what's the next thing? Where does this go? And just like a really good uh, showrunner will create a show and always leave this sort of like, well, what's the next question? What's the next thing we can discover? What's the thing that's going to get people coming back? You have the same thing about the approaches you've taken with your life of let's go see what's over here. And when I do this, when I poke at it, when I change it, when I write a book or when I go in and do this campaign or when I run something, let's see what happens. And your joy and enthusiasm for that has been the thing that's led you along your path. And it's been interesting to sort of watch that because it hasn't been linear. It hasn't been, there's always purpose, right? Don't get me wrong, but it hasn't been so much of like, okay, well, the next six months, here's the thing I'm going to do. It's, I'm curious about this. Let me see what happens when I add electricity to that. Let me see what happens when I sprinkle water on it after midnight and it turns into a gremlin. (laughs) Well, all the very best ideas start with, ooh, wouldn't it be cool if? (laughs) Exactly. Well, and there's, and there's something to that, right? And so a little bit of what I want to talk to you about today is a little bit of that, ooh, wouldn't it be cool if, and that sort of childlike enthusiasm that can come from marketing. And then I want to marry that with a lot of what you're doing at CTI and how you're infusing a new sense of leadership into both yourself personally, but also into the organization and being their first CMO and helping them lead, run, drive, and, and evolve marketing within the organization. So yeah. it sounds like a good plan of attack for us. No, I love it. I love it. And, and curiosity is also like one of the tenets of success in my opinion. So it's like what Brene Brown says, right? Like stop talking about your passion. Just talk about what you're curious about and, and follow that. Yeah. And, and so let's talk about that a little bit. I mean, that's one of the things where, you know, this marriage for you of creativity and curiosity where you've been able to apply both. The curiosity drives your direction, but the creativity is the thing that spurs you forward. Yeah. And, and how you sort of married those two in your marketing role. And then we'll get into the CTI piece a little bit, but let's, let's talk about those two tenets of like curiosity and creativity. Well, they go hand in hand. I mean, the, the I guess, traditional definition of uh, creativity is putting two or more things together that have not been there before, right? Caused by divergent thinking. 
connecting new ideas together in a way that they've never been connected before. Um, and the only way to do that is to get curious about thinking about new things or new ways to do things or like, I wonder what would happen if we did it that way. Or I wonder what would happen if we did it this way. And it's, you know, the, the sort of paradox of the, of the planner <laughs> in me versus the, uh, like you said, the childlike curiosity, which I think is like one of the most delightful spaces to live in. Mm -hmm. um, that's usually beaten out of most adults <laughs> by the time they get to be my age. That's for sure. Um, that's my happy place. I, I have to make room for, for that, you know, little, little kid in me to be able to like ch chase that little piece of floaty thing in the air over there <laughs> just to see where it's going to lead me. Well, in this piece you were talking about, I mean, I loved what you said just a second ago about this idea of, um, you know, this has been beaten out of people because I, I think there's some truth to that. One of the things in particular for marketing <clears throat> is a marketing discipline. Um, I, I've seen this shift where it's gone from, well, creative was just this thing that brands did mm. and, and creative is what we ask our agency to do. But what I want marketers to do is I want marketers to drive to a lead. It's all right. going to be lead gen to revenue. And, and that's important, don't get me wrong, right? Because we're not doing this for philanthropic purposes. No one's going into creating business as a hobby. Right. So you do want the end result to be revenue, but there's got to be a creativity piece that goes with it to help connect to the customer. And so how do you, how do you in particular, and how do you think of this as, in terms of your role at CTI of being able to infuse that curiosity and that creativity and that childlike enthusiasm, but also to run a business and not let one overshadow the other? Yeah, well, one begets the other, right? So in order for you to generate a lead, you need to have the type of content or experience that's going to be creative enough to get the attention of your customer. And by creative in that sense, I mean um, knowing where your customers are. And you've heard this a million times. Meet them where they are. Make sure that you're in the, in the right stage of the conversation of, of where they are. Uh, in order to generate the lead. Um, but I think that there's some really creative ways um, in order to be able to do that, which could, I guess, fall under traditional, you know, mechanisms of marketing. You know, here's, you know, lead gen 101, create a lead magnet and then generate an email campaign and then try to drive some digital ads to that experience to get the lead. That's like the way that it's done. Um, however, um, there are other ways to be in conversation with them and them meaning your community um, when they come into your world. And I think that's where your creativity can really shine in uh, like making decisions, for instance, like, hey, why don't we not lead with fear? <laughs> Even though that's a tried and true, you know, what if we actually led with inspiration instead? Let's try that and then try it and see if it's working. And if it's not, then get curious about why it's not working. Yeah, I like that. I, I like this idea of trying something, starting with something, being innately curious about it, and then using that as the, the guidepost to go in and ask the next question, why or why not, right? Yeah. What's working, what's not working, and use that to evolve along the direction. It's one of the things we talk about in the book. We talk about this testing phase this phase of being able to come in and really test your hypothesis instead of just saying, oh, I know my customer looks like Courtney. 
right? I know yeah. Courtney is a buyer and then all of a sudden you just go, all right, let's go running with marketing. Let's just dump a bunch of stuff and create leads and let's go run a bunch of campaigns and hope that it works so that we can go in and tell Courtney everything that we think is exciting about our product or service. Yeah. And instead looking at it and going, how does Courtney think about it? What does she want? How does she want to engage with this and experience our products and services? Yeah. Well, we're all multidimensional human beings that are highly unpredictable. So, you know, we don't know, no one, no one puts baby in a corner. <laughs> it's, you can't put our customers in a box because um, we just aren't built that way. Um, yeah, I, I, I think it is about having the conversation um, with them about where they are and understanding what the conversation is that they want to be having. So I know at, at CTI we use, um, in some of our, our courses, we teach a lot the tenets of improv and, and the um, awesomeness of saying yes and instead of no but um, in our conversations. And um, we call that the difference between problem spotting and value spotting um, when you're in a conversation with someone. So say, for instance, in LinkedIn comment, uh, one of the customers suggests an idea. It's a, it's a what I love about that is and then build upon that and then the rest of the community can build upon that and you never know where that's going to lead hmm. you know it's it's seeing the value in someone else's idea which is part of what we're up to in the world which is recognizing our uh, every single human being as already whole and not broken and doesn't need to be fixed <laughs> yeah well, I, you know, it's funny when you were talking about that. I saw recently that there's a, a popular retail brand that has almost completely outsourced its product design to social media. And mm -hmm. what I mean by that is they they have an active community and they regularly monitor uh, feedback, insight, and intuition on what their product and services should do. And they use social media to drive a lot of their product direction, innovation, and feature functionality because they're looking from exactly the customer who says, you know, I'd like it in blue or I'd like it to do this, or this one didn't really work as the way I wanted it to, or wouldn't it be great if you, and yeah. you're, they're coming up and driving ideas. Not all of them are gold, right? They're not going to listen to everything, but they factor all of that in and look at the customer's feedback directly from social media as a, as a feature loop. Yeah, no, that's great. Cause I mean, that just bubbles up the importance of community uh, and, and engaging with them and knowing who they are and what, what they're wanting and asking for. Uh, I know for CTI, our community is our greatest asset. Uh, we happen to be, the reason why I'm the first CMO is that they're a over 26 year plus old company and have up until a couple of years ago, 100% been driven by referrals. And we're a $20 million, you know, global company uh, with, roughly 200 employees and, you know, uh, probably about the same number of faculty members and partners around the world delivering our courses. So that's pretty phenomenal. If you think about it, like yeah. almost a hundred percent organic growth that's, that's driven by our community um, without even necessarily asking uh, them to do it. And it's because the, the work is, is that transformative. It, it's really is changing lives and it's, Life affirming, which I think, especially in today today's day and age, is so needed. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. But it's just so needed, you know, the, a shift in the leadership paradigm because it's just it's not working anymore. 
Well, and I, and I love too that, you know, they're a 26 year old company. So I talked to a company a couple hours ago who said, yeah, we're at about our 18 month old now and it's time for us to hire our first marketer. Right. And so mm-hmm. here's you, here you are 26 years after um, coming in to be the first, you know, real marketing leader in the organization because they've been able to do this word of mouth. And now they hit an inflection point and they're moving forward and that's fantastic. But the fact that they were able to exist and build and grow for 26 years from that sense of community is, is really phenomenal. Yeah. Well, and, and now with um, our, our social media channels, our digital media channels, we're able to finally start directing that conversation, directing and collecting that conversation. And we have, you know, so many uh, future plans to be able to continue to include our community in the, the greater global leadership conversation uh, that it's, I'm so excited, <laughs> especially since we just rebranded. Thank goodness, because I know our old website was from like 1985. <laughs> Something so the website predated when the company was built. They, <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. They went backward. They were like, now we're going retro. <laughs> they actually went backwards in time to to take their own website and launch it 11 years after that. Very nice. Yeah. Um, okay, so I want to I want to wrap on creativity here for in a second, and then I want to talk a little bit about CTI and leadership because I, if I think about the people that are listening to this, one of the things they're going to get excited about is both of the well both of those equations. So the first on creativity. Okay, so I know there are people that are listening that are thinking, "Great, I want to infuse in a, a sense of creativity and curiosity in my organization." Yeah. The fear I think most people have is. But what that's going to result in is the Wild West. That it will be, right? It'll be without form or function. That it'll just be creative people running around being creative. And, and it'll feel, start to feel very, like, very think tank-ish. Yeah. They still have a business to run. So how do you balance practical terms? How do you balance this idea of helping to infuse creativity and curiosity in an organization but at the same time have structure and some goals and objectives and, and, and find a healthy balance between the two. Yeah. Well, you just kind of said it, um, which is uh, one of the greatest paradoxes in, in life, which life is a paradox. And I could talk about this all day. Um, But one of the greatest paradoxes of life is the relationship between creativity and systems and structure, because um, the metaphor that we use is that of a riverbed, and a river. So the, the riverbed is the system and structure that helps the river, the water, which is the creativity flow. Um, if there were no riverbed, it would just go all over the place, flood everything, and then eventually seep into the earth, not able to be captured <laughs> or directed. Yeah. Uh, but when you do have those, the, the guardrails, the systems and structures, and when I say like in, in the example of the organization, uh, the systems and structure could be something as simple as uh, a brief, right? That simply states, here's the objective that we're going for. Here's the problem that we're trying to solve. Here's the, tr- the time frame that we want to solve it in. And here's our budget that we have to solve it. Now go. That's a, that's a structure yeah. right, that you can put into place that helps to point the creativity um, that is wanting to emerge. Um, Another system and structure that you can put on there is something like, uh, hey, every, uh, if you work in an office environment, every Friday morning, is go- we're going to go take a walk <laughs> for 15 minutes, or we're going to insist that you have a walking meeting or something like that. That's, enough, that's a system. 
that you can put into place that helps people get out of their own heads, that gets out of their environment. You get mm. them into a place where uh, it, it helps encourage that divergent thinking that's needed um, as opposed to the traditional linear thinking uh, that our old you know, leadership paradigm of top-down leadership says must control. This is very rigid. There's yeah. no room for flexibility. You have to do this now from this time to this time. It's um, that there's not, well, I shouldn't rule out any, but there's little room for creativity in, in that type of a structure. Yeah. Well, and the two things that you hit on, and I think are really the key takeaways for any leader that's, that's starting to think about this is one, put a little structure around it, right? So you riverbed, right? Give this yeah. an opportunity. Uh, so it's, hey, here's our time frame, almost like a sandbox, right? Here's the borders. We've got yeah. this sort of amount of money. We've got this time to work on it. Here's the problem we're trying to solve. Here's some of the outcomes we'd like to see from this. But what you do within that sound sandbox, right, is your creativity, your ability to come in and solve that in a new, unique, and interesting way. Yeah. Um, oh, the other thing I'd say about that, too, is group brainstorming. Just throw that out the window, please. Like, yeah. group brainstorming does not work. Yeah. What that does is it that provides the opportunity for the loudest voices in the room to be heard, not the best ideas or, Hallelujah. you know, any, anything that could inspire a new idea. Um, a better way to do that is to create a, a, a brief like you just were talking about. Send it out ahead of time. Encourage people to write their ideas down. And then everyone bring those to the meeting to, for discussion. And um, a way to do it is like you can write your idea on a post-it and then pass it and then someone adds to it and passes it. This is like just a, a way of writing a yes and. <laughs> like, yeah. I love this idea and here's another thing we could add and here's a way to potentially make it better and here's a way to make it more sustainable and here's a way to make it, you know, et cetera. Like that, that's a way that truly group, I'm using air quotes, you can't see yeah. Um, but group brainstorming um, can can work within those parameters. I guess another example of a systems and structure to put into place, as opposed to it just coming in and being this crazy wild west conversation that's all over the right. place. Yeah. <laughs> well, so thank you for, in particular for that because I think we've all seen that the brainstorming thing doesn't doesn't work, right? Yeah. Um, and pulling a bunch of people into a room, you've always got one person who comes up with an idea. Everyone else gets quiet. Maybe you get a couple of people that are loud and it's not really about bringing the best idea to bear. It's either the loudest or the first person to speak or sometimes even down to a popularity contest. And so that's, yeah. a, that's a great way to hinder creativity because yeah. then it feels like people feel like they don't have a voice. Why should they extend themselves, et cetera, right? So, yeah. so well, your thinking on that is really, really spot on. Well, and, and in the context of leadership too, you know, you, you, everyone's been in a meeting with a group of people where there is roles and responsibilities and a hierarchy of position. And most people come to this meeting not understanding their, the expectation of who are they supposed to be? How are they supposed to yeah. be in this situation? And it's very confusing environment for a lot of people. And so what ends up happening is most people are quiet because they don't want to speak up because they don't want to get called out and they don't want to look stupid or embarrassed. Right. And, you know, in, in at least the leadership training that uh, happens at CTI, uh, we believe everyone is a leader, which means that everyone has a responsibility to themselves and their world around them. 
And what that means is we need to be watching a lot of screens at the same time. And what I mean by that is like, for instance, um, setting the expectation before a meeting about what your role is. Like, hey, hey, Todd, I need you in this meeting um, in the context of our leadership model, which has five dimensions to it. Like, I need you to be a leader behind in this meeting. And what that means is you got my back. If you see me falling off a cliff, you're gonna prop me up and help me get back on the, <laughs> onto the solid ground. And you know your role, and in that role, you are a leader. In as much as I might be a leader if I'm leader in front, right? Like right. maybe the person who comes in who is calling the meeting or responsible for a particular thing. So there's that, and then there's also um, putting the, the model aside, just we all have responsibilities as we're watching the screens um, to, call, to call people out in a really positive, respectful way. Like if we're in a meeting and I notice that you're quiet in the corner and normally, you know, I know you enough to know that when you're quiet, that means that you have something to say, but you might need a little nudge to say it. It's my responsibility to say, hey, Todd, you look like you have something to say. What's on your mind? One of the things I love about C-Suite Radio is our sponsors. That's right. It's the people that actually put time, place, effort, energy behind their products and make sure that this show actually gets off the ground. So I would appreciate it, and I know they would too, if you would give a quick listen to our sponsor this week. Thank you for listening to our sponsor. Now back to Courtney Smith-Kramer. Yeah, and I, I so I like how you're putting form structure, although that seems like an oxymoron around creativity, but but it's this idea of creating a space and creating uh, an organization to allow people to get their best voice out, to allow people to be creative, to put some, again, some form and structure, a riverbed around it, right, to allow this to go and grow, but not make it it's so wild west, which is where I think the default of most people is, right? Yeah. If I allow this, it's going to be chaos, right? Yeah. And what you're doing is finding a way to not do it. One of the things we talk about in the book is, you know, productivity is typically down on Friday afternoons. And so people are starting to think about the weekends. Even the best workers are starting to taper off. And by two or three o'clock, right, all productivity is pretty well come to a crashing halt. So use those opportunities from, say, one o'clock in the afternoon on, make those testing days. Give those opportunities for people to go in and do pet projects. Give them opportunities to come in and try new ideas. Give them opportunities to come in and do something new and unique and different so that they get good, you know, three quarters, eight tenths of their day. Their, their, I'm sorry, their week is really focused on building, growing the business. And then they've got this opportunity for creativity, for play, for testing, for et cetera. And they can do those at specific times and you don't feel like, okay, we're coming bring the, the uh, organization to a crashing halt yeah well i mean and let's just talk about the traditional nine to five you know expected work week is also an example of traditional <laughs> top-down leadership must control must work 40 hours a week with the assumption that we're all not working on all those other off hours i mean i don't know about you but i get my best ideas in the shower <laughs> spend a lot of time thinking you know about things that traditionally would be considered work in non-work place settings so love it okay so we're gonna we're gonna move a little bit off of the creativity now let's talk about leadership and we started talking about it here a minute ago and some of the the structure around leadership but 
So one of the things that's been, again, fascinating for me to see through you is the work that you've done with CTI and how it's evolved you as a person and as a leader. And then now you're coming in and serving as a leader in an organization that grows, fosters, and builds leaders. Yeah. Right. So you've got like a five-dimensional leadership thing going on here, right? It's leaders <laughs> on leader on leader for leaders, right? It's all over the place. So you're living and breathing this on a daily basis. You're a marketer, but you're also thinking about leadership and how to evolve people in leadership all the time. So let's let's talk a little bit about, you know, some of what you've picked up, some of what CTI is thinking of. You know, you talked about this leader in front and leader behind. Those are some great, some nuggets here. Think about the people that are listening to this. What can they start to get from you in terms of how to think and shape being a really great leader today? Yeah, well, like I, I touched on it earlier, which is just um, through the lens of the coactive philosophy, which is uh, the philosophy of wholeness, which is what the what CTI was founded on, um, which operates under the belief, like I said, that we're all whole human beings. We're not broken. We don't need to be fixed. And that everyone is a leader when being a leader means being responsible for your world. So what does that mean? Responsible, um, how we talk about it is responsible. <laughs> so there's a difference between responding and reacting. So we, hmm. we, we teach a lot uh, about the differences between knowing when, when you're triggered by something. We call it above the line, below the line. You can call it whatever you want if you're triggered or if you're, you know, like feeling upset by something or not. Um, everyone gets triggered by different things and it uh, all happens because of experiences that we've had in our past, usually negative, um, that happen when we're young that teach us to react a certain way uh, when we're in a situation. So uh, most of us go around our lives not being able to really like be conscious of when we're triggered or not or know what triggers us or, or not. Yeah. And, and when you don't know that, you don't know how to recover from it. Um, so what I've learned, because I'm a graduate of the 10-month leadership program uh, that we have, uh, I learned that there, there's a, a series of exercises that you go through where you can kind of go back and explore, like, you know, what, what, what do you remember as some of the earliest, like, traumas in your life or, you know, and so for me, it was just like, oh, wow, it was like, I mean, this is going to sound so stupid, right? They're all stupid. If you look at it, if you don't go back, but mine was like, I remember when I was in, like, third grade, I had these girls that lived across the street from me and I, I, they were older and I so wanted to play with them. And every time they would like invite me over to play with them, I'd get super excited. And then when I would go over there, they would laugh and run away, right? Like super cruel, but like kid stuff mm -hmm. that happens all the time, right? And so I remember that still of like this deep seated feeling of like, well, it must be me. Like I, it, I must not be enough for them to want to play with me. So like that sort of, I didn't even realize it, right? But like, and this is not therapy, by the way, at all, like coaching is looking <laughs> forward, but, but it helped inform, right? So now I, like, I know if, if, if now in my current role as an executive, marketing executive of the company, you know, I get asked a lot of questions of like, how come you're doing this? Or how come you're doing that? And I can, I've been able to reframe, like from my agency days, <laughs> which any of you who have either worked in an agency, owned an agency, um, 
you know, you're kind of always on guard <laughs> because agencies are always the one to get blamed for yeah. everything, no matter what. And there's it, like, I didn't realize that I had trained myself over the years to feel like I had something to prove. Like every time I would present an idea, there was all of this context setting research and statistics and all of this, uh, just proof points that I had gathered in order to, to show my clients that my idea was enough, right? Like this is enough. You, this is the idea that you should go with. And I hadn't realized like it served me in that, in that situation. But yeah. now, now that I am out of that situation and I'm realizing like, wow, I didn't also realize that all those years I was living in this constant state of being triggered right? Like I, this anxiety that was inside of me all the time of like feeling like what I was doing wasn't enough because it, and the, um, you can imagine that's tied to my income, you know, which was always in jeopardy working project by project and client by client. Yeah. And, and so that fear can run really deep when it threatens your livelihood. And, um, through this, you know, the, the 10 month leadership program, even just having a sight line into that, and being conscious of the fact that I was, I was being that way. Now I, now I know what it feels like. Like when, when I can get triggered, I'm able to now to be like, I'm feeling triggered. Why am I feeling triggered? Oh, okay. And then that in turn, instead of getting defensive and just being like, well, I don't understand why you would say that. I'm able to respond to say, can you tell me more? about what, what you're asking for so I can make sure that you get the answer that you're looking for. Yeah. You know, because it, it allows me to not take it personally and in that moment recover back to myself and then stay in the conversation or stay in the relationship instead of just being like, oh, forget that person. You know, all they want to do is like, you know, they're just like, what, all, the, all of the blame and like finger pointing that we all do, right? In that situation of like, I don't want to be around that person because they're like constantly questioning me and everything like, when really that person probably just had some legitimate questions. Yeah, right. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, yeah it's, 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 it's helped me get, a, get more close, get closer to my true, authentic, more valuable self, I think. Is that the word I'm looking for? Not more valuable self, but just... Um, your authentic self. Yeah, my my authentic creative self as opposed yeah. to reactive self. Be creative in the sense of being able to create from. So, you know, one of the things that would be interesting here is again, if you're, you know, people that are sitting back and thinking of, okay, how do I how do I learn from Courtney? What can I take away from this podcast that I can apply to my career now or as a idea going forward or a practice going forward. Certainly on the creative side, we talked about some of those examples and how to give space to that and, and also give a little bit of structure. Mm -hmm. But from a leadership perspective, I, I'd love to get some of your thoughts on, okay, yes, it'd be great if people could go through the CTI training. And certainly that's something, not just because you're on, but I would recommend to anybody that is a serious leader because it's such, you know, from looking at what you and Brian have gone through, an amazing experience and so transformative and helped you be more grounded as a leader yeah. that I saw a true before and after change in that course of a year from 
when you started to when you finished. Yeah. So think about a couple of things of, you know, what would you say in terms of leaders and leadership on, okay, what are some practical things that people should start doing and start thinking about? And I know it's somewhat loaded, but I'd love your thoughts. <laughs> oh my God, there's so many. How can I pick just a few? Uh, what came to mind first was that um, just know that we're all having an impact on the people around us at all times, whether it's intended or unintended. Okay. <laughs> right? So um, being able to, number one, have the awareness of the situation around you and what's going on. Um, and then in order to design experiences with more intention, right? So that we can land the intention that we're wanting to. Okay. And then also on the other side of it, like, uh, say, here's, here's an example of what I mean. Say like, um, you and I are out for dinner and, um, I, I make a comment about like, like, wow, you know what? You really seem to have a lot of time on your hands. That must be great for, for finishing your book. Now, what I mean by that comment is like, I admire you because you have made the space to really focus on, on finishing the book and putting the, the attention where it needs to be at this time because it's so important to you. Right. And, and how you might take it is, what does she mean by I have a lot of time? Like, I don't understand. Like, th are you saying that I'm wasting my time? Are you saying that I should be working? Are you like, I'm making all this story up, but you know what I mean? Like, but that's what I mean about unintended impact of, of we, like after going through the 10 month leadership program, I seriously was like, how is anyone in relationship with each other? <laughs> we're, like, we're all, we are all in our heads, like all the time. We are all triggered by different things. We all are like, have all of these stories that we make up about other people that we take as gospel that get in the way of our relationships with each other. Yeah. And, and it's just about like, you know, leadership is the conversation. You have to have the conversations, the hard ones and the uncomfortable ones and the, the positive life affirming ones. Like we, we need to be in the conversation of having these, you know, in the example that I just gave, like, like for, if you were recognizing in that situation, if we were having that conversation and I had that impact on you, you know, that then for you to recognize like, Oh my gosh, what was that weird feeling in my stomach that I just had that caused me to twinge? And then just being able to respond and just be like, Hey, can you tell me more about that time piece of it? What, what did you mean by that? You know what I mean? Yeah. Because, because if we don't say anything, then we take it in and internalize and continue to add layers of stories on top of it. And we really don't know, like we're all making up stories about people all the time in our heads. But if we're not in that conversation of trying to clear those with, with people and make sure that we truly are focused on the relationship and even when things get hard, we stay in the relationship with people. Um, you know, like here's, here's a difference of an example that I, that I experienced. And this is, this is within CTI, which is um, when things get hard with a coworker, like sometimes they do. Oftentimes, most times, there are coworkers inside of an organization that butt heads or have differing yeah. opinions or whatever. What, what happens in a traditional organization is both of those people will go to their HR professionals and complain. Their HR professionals have talks with the other people. 
the people who are having a problem with each other never end up talking. And then both of them get reassigned to different teams because no one wants to deal with it. That is not how we need to be working and functioning as human beings. <laughs> it doesn't solve anything. It perpetuates the problem and it causes toxic cultures. What actually needs to happen is the two people who are in, in uh, butting heads against each other, yes, you can go to your HR people within your organization, but then, then the three of you get on a call together and have it yeah. facilitated. And, and talk through, have someone, an objective third party, talk through and moderate the conversation so that there's room in their space to actually get all the shit out, right? Like, and, and it's, it can get really messy. I mean, I've been in like flat out, like super uncomfortable situations, you know, in my early tenure at CTI as I was like detoxifying my, my constant state of being triggered. <laughs> and I will completely own that. Um, but if you're willing to stay and continue in, in the conversation, it actually does get better just even knowing that you have that safe space to do that um, because that is really what it's about is creating safe spaces to allow your authentic self as messy as we all are because <laughs> we are all so freaking messy. <laughs> allow ourselves to, to come together and see if we can find a way to to blend our ideas together in a way that is generative as opposed to degenerative, which, you know, often happens in, in, in a workplace. Well, and what I liked you were saying about, uh, you know, your example around conflict. So it, we actually had uh, Larry and Colin on earlier in the podcast series, and they did a whole session on trust and mediating conflict. And it was spot on exactly as you were describing, right? This idea of, well, okay, don't just have it reported and then send them off in separate corners, right? Yeah. But sit down and have the opportunity to have guided conversation with both of them, hear from them independently, and then be that sort of arbiter in the middle to help realign and reset expectations. Yeah. And oftentimes, like the example you were using, right? Part of me could have even responded, and I thought about joking about doing it, to say, oh, really, you, you brought up a whole thing about time. That was your example, Courtney. What are you trying to say about me? <laughs> right? and, and, but all joking aside, it's pretty easy to take something the wrong way. We do it yeah. with our partners. We do it with our friends. We do it with our family members. And it's kind of that internal, what, what did they mean by that, right? And so if you take that and create a story around it, even if you don't think about it, that story is registered, it's maintained in your database, and your view, your filter on that person has been forever transcribed with that idea, even though they might have not had any merit or any value. Yeah. You're, go ahead. I know, I can guarantee it's 99% it's not true, the stories that we make up in our heads. And anytime we make up a story, it's actually about us. It's not about the other person. Hmm. It's, it's feeding on our own insecurities about the things that, that trigger us, right? Like, well, why did, why did she say that? I don't understand. Like, is she thinking that I'm not a good manager of my time? You know, or is she right. thinking that? Like, and then if you can get behind that, like you, you talked about earlier, you know, I do believe one of my superpowers is to, is to be able to get behind something and then what's behind that and then what's behind that and what's behind that, you know, that, that stream of curiosity, if you can get that with yourself, 
with some of these, these feelings of being triggered or these stories that you make up, you actually can get to a place where you're like, oh, I didn't realize that. I didn't realize I felt that way. Or I didn't realize that I was making that a thing, you know? And yeah. that, that's all that, that CTI is up to is like giving you the skills that, that, you, that you can keep with you in order to just open your consciousness just a little bit to see the blind spots that we normally can't see. Oh, that's perfect. Okay, so uh, these podcasts go by really quick and we're running out of time. So I'm going to recap on a couple of things and then close on a few thoughts with you. So okay. we talked about form and structure around creativity, which again is seems a little bit like an oxymoron, right? But this yeah. idea of I loved your, and this is one that I think people will take away with them, is the idea of the riverbed, yeah. right? That it gives structure to the creativity, which is the river, right? The water, but it also allows it to somewhat be guided and send it in the right direction. So as you think about bringing creativity into your organization, think about it as that riverbed, giving a little bit of a frame and forum to it and giving people the opportunity and even the space and even pulling them out like your walking meetings to get them to start thinking in new and unique ways. And that's a way to make creativity live, breathe, and engage in your organization and not have it be the Wild West or have it be completely stifled. Yeah. Can I add one thing onto that? Yeah, do it. Okay. Just, this is just, if you want to add a layer of strategy on top of that, that the creativity as a, as a riverbed metaphor, if you know where it starts and you know where it ends, then you can be strategic about the shape of that riverbed. So if you want it to go super fast and downhill, then you'll make the riverbed straight and down a hill. If you want it to be scenic and super windy and slow, then you'll make it super like a S shape as you go down. So that's, that's how you add strategy over creativity. Oh, that's cool. Okay. So we're, we're going to use the riverbed analogy as a takeaway because I think that's really portable and memorable for people as they're starting to think about, you know, engaging in creative exercise in there. Or is it potable? Nice. Yeah. So glad we're wrapping this up. I'm done. With All right. That was bad. That was terrible. That was so punish. All right. So it was, it was, it was fantastic. Uh, all right. So there was that. Then we moved on to the leadership side and thinking about this notion of, and one, it was the one we ended on of, um, really getting to the bottom and understanding of how you interact, engage, and, and um, manage the relationship with your employees and how often it's always filtered through the lens of ourselves mm-hmm. and not really based on the other person. And if we can, again, it doesn't have to be therapy, right? It doesn't no. have to be sitting on the couch. It's it not. Can be, it can be sitting back and realizing what are the things that trigger and engage you? Where's your part in this? And and then how do you take that and use that to uh, realign yourself and your expectations with your employees and not get caught up into that? Well, what did they mean by that? Or how did they, what were they trying to say? Right. And yeah. get into, uh, I've he- heard people talk about this as content and process, right? It's the content yeah. of what they said. It's the thing, right? They mentioned time. They mentioned how great it was. They mentioned the book, right? That's the content. The process yeah. is the way it was said and what we filter out of it. Well, what do they mean by that? And so it's analyzing on both, both sides of those. Yeah. Love it. Okay. So Courtney, this was fantastic in terms of both creativity and curiosity. 
and then how to tie this into leadership. Was there anything that we missed? Anything you wanted to add to it? I, can I can I leave with you the, the most mind blowing advice that I ever got from Henry, Henry Kimsey House, uh, the founder of, uh, of CTI? Hell's yes, bring it on. Okay, okay. He said, uh, "Plan with intention, not expectation." Okay, so dive into that a little bit more. If you think about that. When we, when we plan, and I mentioned earlier, I am a planner, uh, and I'm, most people have something that they need to plan, we get super attached to the outcome that we expect to happen. And that usually never happens because of life, <laughs> right? And so when you plan with intention, meaning if I intend to deliver an amazing experience with whatever it is that I'm planning, and I'm not attached to the outcome, or expect something to happen, then I can never be disappointed. Oh, that's good. Oh, I like that. Okay. That's the perfect thing to leave on. So say that one more time. Plan with intention, not expectation. Love it. Courtney, thank you for hopping on today. Such a fun conversation. Always enjoy talking to you. We get a couple of good laughs and some giggles in, but we also (laughs) have, we also have really great content and ideas in your structure around uh, curiosity and creativity and then morphing into leadership and then closing with that quote on thinking about um, intent and not expectation was so spot on. So Courtney, thank you for hopping on today. Thank you, uh, Todd. If they, if they want to get a hold of your book, where do they go? Uh, you can buy my book on Amazon, uh, 21 Reasons Creativity is Like Sex. You can look up my name, Courtney Smith Kramer, and you can find me on Twitter at CS Has Arrived. Love it. Courtney, thank you so much for joining. Have a great rest of the day. Thanks, Todd. You too. Thanks for listening to the conversation today. I always love hearing Courtney's point of view and how she thinks about this kind of marriage of curiosity and creativity, how she can sort of find this balance of uh, taking creative and filling it within a structure that really works. And, you know, the best thing that I think I heard from her was this whole idea of group brainstorming, right? This notion that you can get a group of people together and just throw things up on the wall and make it all work. That's not how life works. That's certainly not how uh, the creative process works. And she just looks at this as a bunch of, you know, hoo-ha in her words. So I was very excited to have Courtney on and talk through the entire process of what it looks like. Um, to build and grow a creative organization. I also want to give a nice plug out to her book, 21 Reasons Creativity is Like Sex. It's a fun, interesting read, but she takes this idea, while it's whimsical in its uh, notion, takes this idea of creativity and takes it very seriously in terms of how to think about creativity, how to grow it, and what it looks like. If you'd like to follow Courtney, I suggest you do. You can reach her on Twitter, at C-S-H-A-S-A-R-R-I-V-E-D. That's C-S, Courtney Smith, has arrived. You can also follow her on Facebook at Courtney Smith Kramer and on her website at CourtneySmithKramer.com. Thanks again for listening today. Hope you enjoyed the broadcast and we will talk to you again next week. You've been listening to the Founders Place Podcast, the place where exceptional founders grow. For past episodes, blogs, and more, visit us at foundersplace.co. That's foundersplace.co. And thanks for listening to the Founders Place podcast, the place where exceptional founders grow.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.